Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to Judges chapter 1, the book of Judges chapter 1. We continue our study through the Old Testament. Now, several things that we have to keep in mind here in, in, in Judges chapter 1. Now, remember, Joshua and Eleazar, they just died. End of the road for them. End of watch in this life. Now, remember, just like, you know, when we look at the book of Deuteronomy and we see uh, Moses, his farewell uh, discourse, the book of Deuteronomy, and we look at, you know, Judges and or, or uh, 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 the book of Joshua, our study last week, and even the week prior, you know, you see the, 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 the farewell discourse of Joshua. Now, keep in mind, too, that we have this backdrop of our study in Hebrews chapter 4, our Sunday studies in Hebrews chapter 4. And remember, in Hebrews chapter 4, the writer says that Joshua did not give the people rest. He was speaking about another kind of rest, and this is the rest that is found in Jesus Christ, Son of the Most High. This is the fulfillment of the law, to rest in Jesus Christ. Now, how many times do you remember us saying, and we continue to say, observe Israel, our studies to the Old Old Testament, observe Israel, observe Israel according to the flesh. Old Testament, remember the law? It just so happens we study this on Sunday, the fleshly commandments from our study on Sunday. The fleshly commandments and the Old Testament according to the flesh. Now, New Testament, not the flesh. New covenant, not the flesh. Now, it's not just an immediate, like, you know, you know, like, okay, I believe in Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian. I confess my life to Jesus Christ. And then boom, the flesh is gone. No, now we have a battle within oneself, a battle within myself, a battle within yourself, where we have to reckon the old man dead, reckon the old woman dead, and walk according to the spirit, not according to the flesh. You see, Israel has in the Old Testament, has parallels to the path of man. Born into Adam, the flesh. Born again into Christ, the spirit. Now, how beautiful is it to see and know that God can tell a story across people and generations? I mean, look at the story he's telling in and through Israel. Yes, the good, the bad and the ugly. I mean, sometimes, you know, people hear me say, you know, oh, the, the, the bad and the ugly in the Bible, but we've already come across some bad points, some ugly points. We've, are, we've already seen this. We've already studied this. I mean, look at Korah. That's the bad and the ugly. You see, there's the bad and the ugly in the Bible. But what's so beautiful is that the Lord teaches us, the Lord shows us when you see like, wow, this guy's doing this in the Bible, this lady's doing this in the Bible, and you see how the Lord responds, and then you, understanding the nature and character of the Lord, you, you, you don't just see how he responds, that you know why he responds. And then at the same time, it's like, wow, this is going to help me make my choices. So when I'm at this fork in the road, like, wow, I'm not going to do this. And sometimes we learn from our own mistakes. It's like, wow, you know, I remember when this happened and I did this. And you know what? I'm not going to play games anymore. And then we learn to walk according to the spirit. You see, understand obedience is a learned thing. We just it just so happens that we studied that on our, our Sunday studies as well in the book of Hebrews. You see, 
And the Lord can tell a story across people and generations. And when we realize this, when you and me together realize this, there are deeper, deeper implications because what about the story that God desires to tell through you? You see? And this is where testimonies speak and proclaim the name of our Lord Jesus. Have you, have you ever met a person where God's hand just blows you away? You see where they came from in their BC days before they came to Christ, before they knew Christ. And you see where they came from and you see where they're at in Jesus and you see the hand of God. Now, this is this is without them boasting. They're not boasting about it. This is without them faking gifts of the Spirit. This is without them making a mockery of the gifts of the Spirit. And these, you know, I say this and you're like, what is he going, why does he even mention that? Because we see this today. We see it happen today where people, oh, look, I'm a Christian and I have the power of the, I have the gifts of the Spirit. And then they speak gibberish. They say, oh, look, I have the gift of tongues. But that ain't tongues. Oh, look, I have the, the power of prophecy, the, the gift of prophecy. And, you know, thus said the Lord, you know, buy a lottery ticket and you're going to win the lottery. No, 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 no. That's those are don't make a mockery of the gifts of the spirit. And you see that happening in the church today. But then you see a person. There's no boasting, no making a mockery, no, no, no faking gifts of the spirit. And you see a person who, according to the flesh, According to the flesh and in the logic of mere men, a person who has no business being a Christian, according to the flesh, according to the logic of mere men, they have no business being a Christian. You say, wow, this person came from a broken home. Statistically, this this guy, this gal came from, from a broken home. Statistically, they should be in a halfway house somewhere. Oh, this guy should be in prison. This lady should be on boyfriend number 10. This guy should be dead. This lady should be in prison or in a gang or whatever. Statistically, no business being a Christian, according to the flesh, according to logic and intellect, but because of faith, because of faith. And belief in Jesus Christ. Now, remember, our study in Hebrews, it's a package deal. Faith and works, belief and obedience, package deal. And remember, God is reactionary. And he responds yes to wickedness. And yes, he responds to obedience. And yes, he responds to repentance. A person comes to Christ where statistically, man, you know, this girl should be in a gang. Wow. This guy should be in prison. Wow. You know, this lady should be in a halfway house strung up somewhere. Look, they came from a broken home. Look, you know, he grew up in the hood. Look, there's this violence over here. Look, and statistically, yeah. According to the ways of man. But what's impossible with God? What's impossible with God? What about when God takes a life? And remember, he doesn't make robots. A person comes to Jesus Christ, believes in Jesus Christ, and obeys Jesus Christ, and chooses to walk according to the Spirit. I like to say, put on your seatbelt. Because once that happens, 
What about the story that God can tell through a life that chooses obedience unto him? I mean, look at Paul. Look at Paul. I mean, he was a killer of Christians. He was a he, 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 would, he, he would imprison Christians. He would have them beaten and stoned. He would be a killer of Christians. That's in his BC days before Christ. But once he had faith in Jesus Christ, he wasn't killing Christians. He was killing wolves, metaphysically speaking. The wolf killer. You look at Paul and you see Jesus. You see Christ in him people say oh you're you exalt paul christians you know you like to exalt paul you christians you like to exalt paul no not at all but what about christ in paul what about christ in chloe what about christ in priscilla what about christ in Achilla? what about christ in epaphroditus you see Carnally speaking, people say, oh, but that's Paul, that's Chloe. No, look beyond the constraints of the flesh and see Jesus inside. Where it is no longer Paul who lives, where it is no longer Chloe who lives, where it is no longer Priscilla who lives, where it is no longer Lydia who lives, but Christ in them. You see, but does that happen with everybody? The answer is no. There's a reason why we specifically say, you know, hardcore all the time. Oh, but, you know, this is hardcore. This is hardcore. Because sometimes when you look at the choices of Paul, when you look at the choices of Chloe, that's hardcore. When you look at the choices of Timothy and Lois and uh, 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 Eunice, it's like, okay, that's hardcore. It's like, yeah, they're saints, but something different about them. They're not, you know, run-of-the-mill saints. I mean... You hear that. I mean, if you're listening for the first time, you're like, wow, wow, you know, the, 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 this is this is like uh, r- really, really bold to even say or suggest such a thing. But if you've been walking with us for a while, you're able to make this distinction. Look at Corinth. When you see Paul write his letter to Corinth in 1 Corinthians, and you see Paul write his letter to Philippians, the Philippian saints, and you make the comparison with those two churches and the makeup of those two churches and the works of the flesh, we could say in one church, because in Corinth was also found leaven, something that was not found in Philippi. Now, if you're listening for the first time, go back and listen to those studies. Very, very important. Everything is housed and resourced. Everything is there. The archives, the thewayunderground.com. And there's messages in there, sermons in there about, you know, how to grow and mature in Christ. Go and listen. So important for every single one of us to choose to be hardcore for Jesus Christ. And we see similarities and parallels with that here in the book of Judges. So we start here in Judges chapter 1, verse 1. Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall be first to go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord says, And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. I love this so much. Notice the chronicling of deaths that we've seen so far. We see Joshua, 
I mean, he's dead. Eleazar, he's dead. Who shall be first? The question is posed in verse 1. Who shall be first? And the answer, Judah. Now, this is Judah as a people because, you know, like uh, the the, the, the actual son, Judah, the son of Jacob, you know, he, he died also. And so this is Judah as a people. And a lot of times when we when we see this, like we're, we're about to see, like in verse three, so Judah said to Simeon, his brother, this is this is like, you know, when when uh, like a, a president meets a prime minister or a prime minister meets a king, you know, you see like uh, it, it's, it, it can be said like, you know, the U.S. said to China or uh, Russia said to uh, Iran when really it's the leaders that are speaking. And, you know, you know, the U.S. is going to meet with uh, uh, Great Britain or the U.S. is going to meet with or, you know, Canada is going to say is going to meet with uh, Japan, you know. So, so it's like you see the heads of state, but they're represented by their countries. And that's what we see here. Because we see when, you know, who shall go, who shall go, who shall be first? And the Lord says, Judah shall go up. Judah shall go up. Now, it just so happens that we see, it just so happens we study this on Sunday. And we see another leader from Judah. Not Levite. And this other leader from Judah is in the order of Melchizedek. Remember our Sunday study? It just so happens. It just so happens. And how beautiful is it that we can see this so early on in the book of Judges? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Indeed, I I have delivered the land into his hand. In verse 3, so Judah said to Simeon, his brother. Now remember, these are the, the tribal heads that are speaking. Simeon and Judah. It's not the actual Simeon and Judah, like, you know, the sons of Jacob. This is the lineage, just like we said earlier, like, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 Russia said to Germany. It's like, no, that you have the heads of state, you know, the heads of state, the head of state of Russia says to the head of state of Germany. And then like, it's like, okay, Russia says to Germany because there's the heads of state. And that's what we see here. The heads of these tribes, Judah said to Simeon, his brother. In verse 3, come up with me to my allotted territory that we may fight against the Canaanites. And I will likewise go with you to your allotted territory. And Simeon went with him. Now, do you remember in our study from last week, there was mention about like uh, um, uh, immigration you know, and, and it wasn't said in a manner of like, you know, like an isolationist, like, oh, you know, like, you know, here this teacher is, he teaches from America and, you know, he's an isolationist and, you know, he doesn't want, you know, the, the, these uh, uh, immigrants to, no, it's not said like that at all, but it's to understand how culturally speaking, culturally speaking, a nation can change any nation. When you look at demographics i mean everybody says you know oh democracy 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 and in that vein you know you look at about how demographics can change and you create voter blocks i mean look at look at 1915 china and compare that to today what happened you look at 
1952 America, what happened? You compare it to today, 1952 to today, what happened? You look at 1985 Venezuela, compare that to today, what happened? You look at 1999 France, compare that to today, what happened? You look at 2001 Germany, you compare that to today, what happened? You see, and so when we speak of this uh, 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 immigration, like we studied from last week, from that perspective, how a nation can change when there's no, um, when there's in the absence of acknowledging who the Lord is. I mean, we see it in Israel and it comes at a heavy cost. Now, and that's what was the perspective about immigration, how Israel changes when there's, you take these factors about how culture can change. And it's going to hit hard because very soon, very soon, you see how, you know, like in, in verse one here in Judges chapter one, how, you know, the people asked, you know, who shall be first? And the Lord responds, Judah, the Lord is speaking. And they have ears to hear. It's Judah shall go up. But in a couple more chapters, you know what's going to happen? Israel, they're going to be worshiping Baal and Molech. What happened? What in the world happened? How is it that Israel can seek the Lord, ask of the Lord, and the Lord responds and gives them direction. And then in the next chapter, in a couple chapters, you know what's going to happen? How is it that instead of seeking the Lord, they're on their faces seeking Baal. They're on their faces seeking Molech. You see? Because a shift happened. A change happened. Just like with Balaam and Balak. Do you remember when Balak in our study in the book of Numbers, he wanted to know, how do I defeat Israel? Because Israel, they were, they were winning battles across the wilderness. They were winning, winning battle after battle after battle. And Balak was like, oh my goodness, how am I going to defeat these guys? You know, how am I going to train my warriors to go down and fight against Israel? How am I going to train them so that they can win in combat against Israel? And so he sought the counsel of Balaam. And Balaam revealed to him, well, you're not going to do it physically. You're not, you, might, you could have like mighty warriors and Israel's going to kill them all because the Lord is with them. And through the counsel of Balaam, Balak learned how to defeat Israel. It's to get them to turn their back on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's to get them to deny the Lord who saved them who rescued them out of Egypt. And so you know what he did? He says, okay, warriors, stay home. And he calls upon the women. <clears throat> he called upon the women. And he sends his women down. Hey, go to the camp of Israel. Now, I don't want to get graphic or anything, but you know, they probably were dressed a certain way. And you know what happened? The men of Israel, the warriors of Israel, they did their sex with the women. And then the women, in very short order, they say, okay, let's worship, let's worship Molech, let's worship Baal now. And you know what the men did? The men, the warriors of Israel, former warriors, they said, okay, hook, line, and sinker. 
they denied the Lord and they started to worship Baal. You see? And you see Balak as a type of Satan. The seduction, the wicked, twisted, evil deception designed to seduce. And Satan is very effective. Balak was very effective. I mean, he achieved his goal. Not with everybody, though. Not with the remnant. The remnant? Look at Phineas. Look at beautiful, beautiful Phineas. You see, he made a stand. And praise be to the Lord because we have these examples. And so that's what we see here in Judges. You see the, 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 like the, the, the end, the end result of it. It's in, in, the end. I shouldn't even say the end result because it happens multiple times. Multiple times all throughout the Old Testament. It happens. You say, well, that's the Old Testament. That's Israel. Hold the phone there, my friend. It happens with Christians today. It happens with Christians today. Somebody's on fire for the Lord. And then they go do their drugs. Then they come back a week later. They're on fire for the Lord again. I'm doing my air quotes. They're on fire for the Lord again. And then they go do their crack. They go do their crack. They go do their drugs. They go do their alcohol. They go do their, go do their sex. Their Buddha. Oh, God is a God of love. And he's going to forgive me. No. When it's premeditated like that. No way. To him or her who knows what he or she ought to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Yeah, there's the, the sin of the actual sin. But when we get into premeditation, not good. And so look what happens here. Israel is seeking the Lord. Like Who, who shall go up first? Who shall be first? The Lord responds, Judah. I have delivered the land into his hand in verse three. So Judah said to Simeon, his brother, he says, come up with me to my allotted territory that we may fight against the Canaanites. And I will likewise go with you to your allotted territory. And Simeon went with him. Then Judah went up and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand. And they killed 10,000 men at Bezek. 10,000 men. Now, always remember, always remember Deuteronomy 9. And you don't have to turn there, but we've studied it quite a bit. But always remember Deuteronomy 9, where the Lord says to the people of Israel through his vessel, Moses, that you're going to inherit this land. And I am with you when you go and fight against these inhabitants of the land. And you're going to go into this land, which I am giving you, giving you the land of milk and honey, the promised land. But it's not because you're awesome. He says, you are a stiff-necked people. We have to remember that. He says you're inheriting their land because not because of your awesomeness. It's because of their wickedness. The door of mercy and grace for them closed. It's because of them. You see, yes, there's fulfillment of promises. The effectuation of promises. But in the timing of God, which is perfect, look at what is happening. You see, it's very important to remember that because a lot of times 
you know, sometimes I talk to non-believers and a lot of times the majority of their mindset is anti-Zionist. And I completely get it. I completely, I don't agree with it, but I completely understand it. Because according to the logic of men, it's like, wow, you look, you know, you, you, you know, you know, if, if, if you want to believe the, 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 the Bible, you know, they say, if you want to believe the Bible, then look, you know, they, they came into this land and, you know, they started to kill, just like we see here in verse four, they killed 10,000 men at Bezek. It's like, that's why we stress, remember Deuteronomy 9. Never, ever forget Deuteronomy 9, where the Lord says to the people through Moses, his vessel, it's not because you're awesome. You guys are a stiff-necked people, he says. It's because of their wickedness. Now it puts things in a very different perspective, because as a result of wickedness, if that's how the Lord responds, which if you're a believer, it shouldn't be a surprise because the Lord does exactly what he's going to say. Now it puts the onus back on us, back on the person. It's like, wait a second, if that's how the Lord responds to wickedness, then I'm in danger, a person can say. If that's how the Lord responds to wickedness, then those who are in the camp of the wicked, they're in danger. If you're listening and you're not a believer and you are in the camp of wickedness, you're in danger. People tell me, oh, don't use fear tactics to, to bring people to Christ. Listen, I'm not trying to use fear tactics, but you have to admit, I'm at the lake of fire, damnation, weeping, gnashing of teeth. That's, I mean, call me crazy, but that's terrifying. I'm not using fear tactics. It's what the Bible says. You see? And when the Lord responds in a manner that is judgment upon the camp of the wicked. You know what the fix is to that? Get out of the camp of the wicked. You take the camp of the wicked, it's like, hey, it's a straight up rescue mission. Get out of the camp of the wicked. You say, wait a second, I'm not a believer. And you realize I'm in the camp of the wicked. And you realize I'm in trouble because the Bible says, you know, uh, uh, weeping, gnashing of teeth, hellfire, damnation. And you say, what do I do? Repent. Hit pause. Listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ. And you commit your life to Christ right here, right now. And don't forget to the woman at the well, Jesus Christ didn't speak of hellfire, damnation. He spoke of living water. And I love that so much because to some people, the Lord would be like straight up, you know, like, you know, hellfire damnation. But to other people, hey, living water. I love that so much. Because it's like, for me, when, for the Lord to like get my attention, for me, hellfire damnation worked wonders. Weeping, gnashing of teeth worked wonders. That's me. But some people, it's like, hey, living water. You see? In both cases, living water is, you know, you, you leave the camp of the wicked. You align yourself to Jesus Christ through belief and faith in him. You know what happens? Living water. You see? And praise be to the Lord. 
And so look what happens here. You know, when you see that Israel, they go into the land and you see Judah in, 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 in verse 4, the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand and they killed 10,000 men at Bezek. And you read that and if you're not a believer, you're like, oh, you see, Israel, they, 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 they killed these people. But when you look at the promises of God, the Lord specifically told them, Deuteronomy 9, listen, it's not because you're awesome. It's be, you know, it's because of their wickedness. As for you, you're a stiff-necked people. When Israel ceases to be stiff-necked, it's faith in Jesus Christ. When you or me ceases to be stiff-necked, it's in Jesus Christ. That's why we always say, observe Israel according to the flesh, 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 flesh. Old Testament, flesh. New Testament, spirit. Very important to understand the covenants. It just so happens we study this on Sunday, the fleshly commandments of the law. And so look what happens here in verse 5. And they found Adonai Bezek, which, you know, it translates as Bezek is lightning, Adonai God. Very interesting. God of lightning, leader of the Canaanites and Perizzites and Bezek. Now, very interesting what we see here, because when we see lightning as new covenant believers, you know, lightning is used, you know, the, the Jesus Christ as lightning. But then you also see Satan as lightning. You know, Dr. Luke writes about that. Very interesting what we see here. And understand, according to prophecy, how we know that Satan presents himself as an angel of light, but at the same time, when he finds his host, and I speak of the Antichrist, he's going to be ushered in as a man of peace. Because, you know, there's the phony and there's the real. You see, according to prophecy, you see Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. A fake version, a faux version of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this false prophet, the beast from the, from the earth, is going to bring fire from heaven. You know how many people are going to believe him? Oh, I, I don't believe this stuff. I don't believe this stuff. And then they're going to see some, you know, religious leader bring down fire from heaven. And then they're going to, because, you know, uh, it's a wicked and cruel generation which seeks after a sign. And they're going to see that sign and be like, whoa, you know, whoa, this is so powerful. I'm going to worship him now. And he's going to usher in the mark of the beast. According to prophecy, it is written, you see, and it's very interesting how in these studies in the Old Testament, we see shadows of these, I mean, Adonai, Adonai is God, but Adonai Bezek, God of lightning. You see, as new covenant believers, there's lightning used to describe the son of God and the son of perdition. But the real Jesus the real Messiah. His word is above his name. That's how you'll know. So look what happens here in verse 5. They found Adonai Bezek in Bezek 
and fought against them. And they defeated the Canaanites and the Perizzites. You see, Judah and Simeon, they have victory. I mean, we just finished the book of Joshua. And we know that there's a certain formula for victory. Does victory stay victory? I mean, I wish I could say yes, but does victory say stay victory? The answer is no. Victory does not stay victory. I mean, look at uh, the, 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 in, 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 in our study in the book of Joshua. They have victory in one town, victory in the next town, and then all of a sudden defeat. Why? Aiken. The formula wasn't right. If victory stayed victory, there wouldn't be the Aiken. What about you and me in Christ? Does victory stay victory? In Christ, yes. But a person starts to toy around with the flesh, has the heart of Achan, you're not going to see victory. You're going to see defeat. You see? Now, before feeling dread about this, I mean, sometimes, you know, when I have these conversations with believers, with Christians, they're like, oh, you know what? Like, like, it, it's kind of a dreadful thing. What do you mean victory does it? Does this mean I'm going to be a Christian and not be victorious? Well, flip the coin. Flip the coin and see the joy. See the joy in understanding that belief and obedience is a package deal. I mean, when you see Paul rejoicing, when you see Peter rejoicing, when you see the saints in the book of Acts rejoicing and in a lot of a lot of ways and a lot of times the rejoicing is while in tribulation how is it that they're rejoicing how is it that paul can be or, or paul too but how is it that peter can be beaten and rejoice you see because it's a new way of thinking it's a new way of understanding his rejoicing was that he was counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus Christ. You see, it's very important for the remnant to understand formula, the nature and character of our Lord and how he works. And so you see that there was victory for Judah and Simeon when they came against the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And in verse 5, they defeated the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Notice what happened here in verse 6. Then Adonai Bezek fled. Some leader. He fled. I meant Judah and Simeon, you know, they, they defeated the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And so Adonai Bezek, the god of lightning, some leader, he's, he runs away, he flees. Now, I don't know if there's any historians. This I'm kind of a little historian buff, you know. If you've read about the epic, epic, epic naval battles of the Pacific, U.S. and Japan, the captains would go down with their ships, you know, on both sides. The, the captains, the heads of the ships, the skippers, the admirals, they would get their men to safety. I mean, as best they could. But then they would be the last man on board. And forget sides for a moment. Understand that there is honor in a manner of death. Now, a little comment, you know, you hear me say that, but a little comment for the old people. The old people, my older brothers and older sisters. And with all due respect to the older generation of both U.S. and Japan, 
And I've had these conversation with the old codgers, old veterans. Not, not too many World War II guys left anymore. But to speak with like the Korean War vets, you know, to speak with Vietnam vets. Sometimes it's not easy to forget, which is understandable, completely understandable. And I have respect for those who served on, yes, on both sides. I mean, look at Japan. Look at Japan today. Look at Japan, you know, 1942 Japan. And look at Japan today. You see how things can heal. And we see these things today. And, and you know, in, in speaking about a manner of death, which is honorable. We see this today. Dying dishonorably and dying honorably. I'll give you an example. Say, say for example, there's a, a guy who carjacks a lady after robbing a bank. A guy robs a bank and he's, he runs away and, you know, the cops are chasing him on foot, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's not too fast. And so he, he carjacks a lady and then he speeds away. He crashes a car and dies. You take another example. A lady who runs into a burning apartment building and she runs up the stairs. She gets to one corner of the building and then all of a sudden she sees three children there. She can like barely hear their screams. She gets and sees them and she, you know, kicks open the window. The glass shatters and she, you know, clears, you know, scrapes away the glass. So there's no scraping of the kids. And she takes each child one by one, drops them out the ground, you know, to, to firefighters on ground level. She drops the first child, drops the second child, drops the third child. Okay, so the kids are safe now. They get to live. Now, all of a sudden, the building collapses and she dies. In both cases, there was death. The carjacker died. The lady with the collapsed building, she died. But one has honor. The other has dishonor. You see, the carjacker, dishonor, died dishonorably. The woman died with honor. And we see this everywhere. But we see it in the Bible too. Dying honorably in the Lord. Moses and Korah died. Joshua and Achan died. But understand, even in the you can't even compare Moses and Korah. They both died, yes. But one died honorably before the Lord. The other died dishonorably before the Lord. With Joshua and Achan, both have died. Joshua died honorably in the Lord. Achan died dishonorably before the Lord. You see? We see honor and dishonor, which is a choice. It's a choice. A person, male, female, young, old, I don't care, who says, I am going to honor the Lord. I desire my life to be a sweet aroma before the Lord. A person, male, female, young, old, makes his or her choice. I mean, just like Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But what about the person? What about the soul that just straight up says, as for me? I will serve the Lord because prophetically speaking, a man's enemies will be in his own house. 
What about the person that says, you know what? Mom, dad, if you want to be crazy, brothers, sisters, if you want to be crazy, as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. You see? A dad who says, you know, hey, wife, kids, if you guys want to be crazy, you know, I'm going to serve the Lord. Can't be a pastor. Can't be a pastor. Because remember, that opens up the home. We have to examine the home. Wife wants to be crazy. Kids wants to be crazy. And the dad is going to walk in the Lord and walk for the Lord and glorify the Lord and choose to be a sweet aroma before the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. But he can't be a pastor. Because his home is out of order. But once the home is in order, all of a sudden comes the effectuation of God's promises. The gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. You see? To honor the Lord is a choice. To be a sweet aroma before the Lord is a choice. To dishonor the Lord is also a choice. To be a stench before the Lord is also a choice. So you have Adonai Bezek. He fled in verse 6. And they pursued him. You know, uh, 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 Judah and Simeon. And they pursued him and caught him and cut off his thumbs and big toes. Now, this sounds kind of weird. I mean, it's like, what's up with the thumbs? What's up with the big toes? But this was custom in ancient times. So, for example, if you don't have your big toes, you're not going to be able to walk very well. You're not going to be on balance so well if you don't have your big toes. But same could be said of thumbs. I mean, if you don't have your thumbs, you're not going to be able to hold a sword or a shield or a weapon. And this was common practice to remove the threat. Kind of a nice way of dealing with someone, too. I mean, you know, instead of torture, we're just going to cut off your toes, your, 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 your big toes. Instead of torture, we're just going to cut off your thumbs. So the person is not tortured. The person is not killed. The person gets to live. But with limited digits, you're removing the threat. And, I, you know, remember, we're studying the Old Testament. I'm not saying, you know, like, hey, you know, let's cut off this guy's thumbs. Let's cut off this guy's, you know, the thumb toes, the big toes. Like, I'm not saying that at all. But that was customary in ancient times. To cut off the thumbs and cut off the big toes because they can't carry weapons. I mean, they might be able to carry a weapon, but they're going to be really gimpy with it because they don't have the thumbs. They're not going to be able to walk. They're not going to be, you know, be able to, to, to run on the battlefield, you know, fully armed because they don't have the big toes. You see, they don't have the thumbs to hold the weaponry, which means they're not going to be a threat on the battlefield. Very common in, in ancient warfare. And that's what we see here in verse 6. They caught him and cut off his thumbs and big toes. And Adonai Bezek said, seven in verse 7, 70 kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off used to gather scraps under my table. As I have done, so God has repaid me. See, this is something that Adonai Bezek did himself, cutting off the thumbs and big toes. And now he's on the receiving end. Notice, then they brought him to Jerusalem. And there... He died. And verse 8. Now the children of Judah fought against Jerusalem and took it. Now, understand that when we're in the book of Joshua, the last book that we studied, we just finished that last week. And when we studied that, not all the peoples were defeated at the initial inheritance because 
Israel would 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 enter a town, and sometimes the people would scatter. And when the people would scatter, they still had to be dealt with. And when I say dealt with, I, I don't say that loosely, like oh, you know, the, the, we're gonna deal with you. I, I don't mean to come off that way. Remember Deuteronomy nine. It's not because you're awesome. It's because of their wickedness. As for you, you're a stiff-necked people. Remember Deuteronomy nine. But understand, when we say that, you know, that those peoples had to be dealt with, Israel gains ground with obedience and loses ground with disobedience. And these are, this is the theme of things that we will see in the Old Testament, all throughout the Old Testament. Israel gains ground with obedience and loses ground with disobedience. That's the general theme. But it's the same with us. Exactly the same. I mean, when you came to Jesus Christ, praise be to the Lord. But was the fight over then? I mean, if you came to Jesus Christ 20 years ago to the day, does that mean in the last 20 years there's never been a fight? Spiritually speaking? No way. You see, what about after the first and second victory? Is the fight over? No way. The fight rages on. The fight rages on. And when the fight is over for you, you'll be dead. When the fight is over for me, I'll be dead. Remember, Paul, my life is being poured out as a drink offering. A warrior and a fighter to the very end. Praise be to the Lord. And so what happened in the book of Joshua, and you remember our studies in Joshua, what happened is that Israel, the, the, the Israelites, they would come, you know, in their inheritance, you know, as commanded by the Lord, go and, you know, this is the land of your inheritance. But remember Deuteronomy 9, it's not because you're awesome. And so the, 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 the inhabitants of that town before Isra- the Israelites came, what happened is that they would flee to different regions and flee to different areas. And here in Judges chapter 1, verse 8, we see that Jerusalem was a city where people fled to. Except now the children of Judah, in verse 8, fought against Jerusalem and took it. They struck it with the edge of the sword and set the city on fire. And afterward, the children of Judah went down went down to fight against the Canaanites who dwelt in the mountains, in the south, and in the lowland. Then Judah went, in verse 10, Judah went against the Canaanites who dwelt in Hebron. Now the name of Hebron was formerly Kirjath Arba. And they killed Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai. You see, this is victory, victory. You see these pictures of victory for Judah, but it's after the inheritance. It's much like you and me. We come to Jesus Christ. I mean, that might've been five days ago, five years ago. It might've been 20 years ago. It might've been 30 years ago, but praise be to the Lord. You and me were in Christ. And there's that victory of, yes, we are born again believers in Jesus Christ, but there's continual battles in the life of a Christian. There are continual battles. Some of those battles are lost. Some of those battles are won. But when the formula is right, those battles are won. Victory. 
It's the result of obedience. It's the handiwork of our Lord. When the formula is not right, then you're going to see the ups and the downs in the life of the Christian. Where it's like they're on fire for the Lord and it's like, boom, they're going to have victory. And then, boom, something's going to happen, you know, walking according to the flesh. And then all of a sudden, boom, they're going to be, you're going to see like the basket cases. And I don't say, you know, I say that with all due respect, but have you ever seen somebody, a Christian, who's just a straight up basket case? I say that with all due respect. But it's like, wow, you know, this person, he says he's a Christian. She says she's a Christian. But it's like, well, wait a second. What's up with the sex? What's up with the crack? What's up with the Buddha? What's up with the alcohol? What's up with the yoga? What's up with the... The, the crystals, the chakras. And you see, a person says they believe in Jesus Christ, but as a result of disobedience, as a result of their own choices, as a result of not being hardcore, as a result of they might have had victory in coming to Christ, and praise be to the Lord, it's absolutely victory. But what about the next battle? What about the next battle after that? And the third battle and the fourth battle. And a person might say, well, wait a second. I have victory in Jesus Christ because I'm a born again believer. You think Satan's going to leave you alone? You think Satan, let's be straight up here. You think Satan's going to leave you alone? And when a person doesn't grow and mature in Christ and learn to be equipped and fight the good fight of faith, not according to the old covenant, not according to, according to the old covenant rules of engagement, but according to the new covenant rules of engagement. Remember, we just studied this on Sunday, you know, rules of engagement for Fallujah, rules of engagement for Haiti, different set of rules of engagement. But when a person isn't equipped and doesn't understand. Remember, Jesus Christ says when a, when a demon leaves a person, praise be to the Lord, there's victory. But Jesus warns, when a demon leaves a person, that demon isn't going to go away and stay away. No, that demon is going to come back. And a lot of times Christians don't realize this. But he adds even further, that demon is not going to come back by himself. He's going to come back with demons that are worse than him. You see, and failure to grow and mature in Jesus Christ, which, which is also a choice, it comes at a very heavy cost. Oh, praise be to the Lord. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Praise be to the Lord. God is love. God is love. You know, hey, I'm in agreement. A person comes to Christ. Praise be to the Lord. It's beautiful. But come on, we got to train. We got to roll around on the mat and learn how to fight the good fight of faith because those demons, they're coming back. They're coming back, and if you're not ready, no victory. And Jesus warns, when those demons come back, if that person isn't ready for a fight, then the state of that man is going to be worse than the first. Picture that. Say somebody has a problem with marijuana, and they repent, they come to Christ, and that demon of dependency leaves. And then that person just figures, well, you know, God is love and praise be the Lord. I'm a Christian of which I'm in full agreement. Yes, praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. There's victory in Christ, a born again believer. 
It's beautiful. But if that person, if that new believer does not grow and mature in Christ and become deadly in Christ, the good deadly, which is a very specific formula which necessitates a teacher, a pastor, just like the pastors of Philippi, to, to train, to teach a person how to fight, the weapons of warfare, how to use them. Absent that, if there's like the defunct pastor of like Corinth, not good because that demon is going to come back and that Christian isn't ready for that fight. And that demon's going to come back, not alone. He's going to come back with his friends, with his homies, demons that are worse than him. Now you have a person who was formerly his addiction, his vice was marijuana. And now it's marijuana plus. You see, plus the molly, plus the crack, plus the meth, plus fill in the blank. And then you see that guy, the state of him is worse, man. You know, he was better when he was on pot, but now look at him. You know, he's got, you know, the meth mouth, the holes in the face, his arms are all shot up and he's falling apart. He's decrepit. The state of him is worse. You see why? Because he didn't train. He wasn't equipped. Which, you know, there's there's a responsibility on him as well to learn to be equipped and the desire to learn to be equipped, understanding. But then you come across the defunct pastor who never even utters the fact that a person needs to learn how to fight. Oh, God is love. God is love. Yeah, he's love, but there's more. You see? And so all of a sudden, you know, you see as new covenant believers, you start to see, wow, there's parallels here to the book of Judges. And so notice Judah has his victory. Simeon has their victory. Together they have their victory. And in verse 11, look what happens. In verse 11. From there, they went against the inhabitants of Debir. The name Debir was formerly Kirjath Sefer. Then Caleb said, whoever attacks Kirjath Sefer and takes it to him, I will give my daughter Aksa as wife. It's quite the prize. And I don't mean that in a carnal sense, but let's be real here. It's quite the prize. Sometimes I have these conversations with females, with the women. Oh, how dare he? How dare he? He's offering his daughter as the prize. How dare he? But remember who's speaking here. Remember who's speaking here. This is Caleb. This is the only survivor of the first generation. Now, there were two, but Joshua has died. This is the only survivor of that first generation, and he has the favor of God. Now, consider his parenting. Consider the parenting of Caleb, who has the favor of the Lord. You see, some guys could say, Well, you know, I will give my daughter as a wife. Some guys could say that and every single guy wouldn't move an inch because the daughter is a basket case raised by a fool. A guy says, hey, guys, you know, you guys do this and I will give my daughter as a wife. And the guys are just looking at each other like, I'm not going to I'm not doing anything. His daughter is a basket case. 
He's a basket case too. He's, she, he raised a fool. He's a fool himself. But Caleb, he's different in a good way. Not the fool. He didn't raise a basket case. He's not a basket case. Caleb's different in a good way, in a very good way, in a beautiful way. And so he makes this proposition. Whoever takes Kirjatsefer in verse 12 and takes it to him, I will give my daughter Aksa as a wife. In verse 13, and Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, took it. So he gave him his daughter Aksa as wife. And notice what happens here. Now it happened in verse 14. When she came to him, that she urged him to ask her father for a field. Now, this is Aksa is with, with, with her new husband, Othniel, now. And, you know, she, she came to him and she urged him to ask her father for a field. And she dismounted from her donkey. And Caleb said to her, so now she's with her dad. And Caleb said to her, what do you wish? In verse 15. So she said to him, give me a blessing. Since you have given me land in the south. So, I mean, you, you can see, you know, since you have given me land in the south, you can see verse 14 was a success. So they have the field. And so he asks her, you know, what do you wish? And she says to him in verse 15, give me a blessing. Since you have given me land in the south, give me also springs of water. I love this so much. Beautiful Aksa, a little opportunistic, you could say. You've given me land in the south. Give me also springs of water. And Caleb gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. And I, this is so beautiful to me. I don't know many dads who would have said no. I don't know many dads who would have said no. But, you know, does she, is, is her request an evil thing? Is she requesting something evil? Not at all. Baby girl, here you go. I'm in picture Caleb, baby girl. Here you go. And it's the, the blessing and more because here, you want the land? Here. You want a spring? Here, take the upper spring and the lower spring. You see? Look how Aksa wanted the blessing of her dad. It was something that was desirable for her. And this is so beautiful. I love this so much. I, I have a message to dads. And I love you. If you're a dad, I love you. My message to dads is this. Don't be a loser. Don't be a loser. Straight up. Don't be a loser. Pour into your kids. New wine from new wineskins. Pour into your kids. And so we see here in verse 16. Now the children of the Kenite, Moses' father-in-law. Now this is the lineage of Jethro now. That Moses' father-in-law. Now we see that Jethro, we know from our prior studies that, you know, Jethro was a priest of Midian. But he's Kenite. It says it's written here, the children of the Kenite. I mean, to give you an example, say there's a Dutch person. A Dutch person moves to California. I teach from the United States, if just so you know. But say there's a Dutch person who moves to California and becomes a U.S. citizen. Notice what this person is now. This person is Dutch. This person is American. And this person is Californian. And it's said for a reason. It's laid out like this for a reason. Because in these last days, there are mockers, as the Bible says. And sometimes these mockers say, well, the Bible is fake. 
Oh, look, the Bible is fake because the Bible says he's Jethro is Midianite. But, you know, here it contradicts because it says he's Kenite. Listen, there are no contradictions in the Bible. None. None whatsoever. The contradiction is in the mocker. That's the contradiction. Professing to be wise, they become fools. You see, although they know God, they do not acknowledge him. Just like is written in Romans 1. A mockers of the last days. And so we see here in verse 16, the children of the Kenite, Moses' father-in-law, went up from the city of Palms with the children of Judah. Very interesting how we see Jethro tied to Judah. Very interesting how we see Jethro and Judah tied together. You remember? When God made himself known in Egypt, people had a choice to make. I meant... When, you know, when the water turned red, you know, the, the, the wise guys, uh, 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 the wise guys and the, 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 the religious leaders of Egypt, Janice and Jambres, what did they say? Oh, Pharaoh, don't worry about it. Look, our gods can make it red too. Look, our, our gods can make the water red too. When the frogs came, people started to take notice. Okay, that's, we did the water red and now there's frogs and the wise guys of Egypt, they had the answers. But then the hail came. Then they say to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, our gods can't do that. Our gods can't do that. But the God of Moses, he can. And then they started to warn Pharaoh. Pharaoh, let them go, let them go, let them go. And Pharaoh hardened his heart. You see? And God made himself known and the people had a choice to make. In the case of Jethro, his choice was made before Moses went to Egypt. I love that. I love that. Even without our study in Hebrews, I love it. But even more so with our study in, in Hebrews on Sunday. You know why? Because here you have Jethro, who made his choice before Moses went to Egypt. He made his choice, and here we see him tied to Judah. I meant pre-law, he made his choice. Remember our study on Sunday, the loopholes in the law, the fleshly commandments, you see? And so here you have the children of the Kenite in verse 16, Moses' father-in-law went up from the city of Palms with the children of Judah into the wilderness of Judah, which lies in the south near Arad. And they went and dwelt among the people. And Judah went with his brother Simeon, and they attacked the Canaanites who inhabited Zephath and utterly destroyed it. So the name of the city was called Hormah. Also, Judah took Gaza with its territory, Ashkelon with its territory, and Ekron with its territory. So the Lord was with Judah. And they drove out the mountaineers, they, but, but they could not drive out the inhabitants of the lowland because they had, because they had chariots of iron. And they, came, and they gave Hebron to Caleb, as Moses had said. 
Then he expelled from there the three sons of Anak. But the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites who inhabited Jerusalem. So the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. And the house of Joseph also went up against Bethel, and the Lord was with them. Now, notice what we see happening. I mean, in Joshua, in our study in the book of Joshua, which we just finished last week, and in Joshua, the Lord was with Israel, all Israel. And already in Judges, we see the Lord is with Judah, Simeon, Joseph, and we start to see this breakup of alignment that exposes a remnant. I'll say that again. We're starting to see this breakup of alignment with the Lord, but it exposes a remnant. I'll give you an example. The Lord is with a church and praise be to the Lord. For that to happen, the formula is right. And praise be to the Lord. The formula is right in the pastor. Formula is right in the church. Formula is right in the elders. Formula is right in the sanctuary. Formula is right in the saints who gather in the sanctuary. Formula is right. But remember when Paul says to the elders of Miletus and the, uh, the, 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 the Miletus meeting, the elders of Ephesus, and Paul says to them in Acts 20, he says, I know this. That after my departure, the wolves are going to come in. And even from us among yourselves, some of you will become the wolves. You see? How is it that a shepherd can turn to a wolf? How is it? You know, one day the formula is right. And in the course of time, the formula is wrong. It absolutely can happen. It absolutely does happen, and it absolutely will happen. And when church becomes a social club, lamps start to dim. In some cases, lamps start to go out. And when lamps start to dim and lamps start to go out, you also start to see who is it who is aligned with the Lord and who isn't. Because lamps go out for a reason. It's not just like, you know, it just, hey, it burned out. No, it burns out for a reason. God didn't change his mind. You know what happened? Just like the Old Testament, the people changed their heart. You see? And that's what we start to see here in the book of Judges. And we're just, we're just starting in chapter 1. We already start to see where, like, wow, you know, this tribe is honoring the Lord, this tribe is honoring the Lord, this other tribe honoring the Lord, but do all tribes honor the Lord? It's sad, because the answer is no. Notice what happens here in verse 23, and we're going to see this. So the house of Joseph sent men to spy out Bethel. The name of the city was formerly Luz. And when the spies saw a man coming out of the city, they said to him, please show us the entrance to the city and we will show you mercy. In verse 25, so he showed them the entrance to the city and they struck the city with the edge of the sword, but they let the man and his family go. You see, it's just like Rahab where, you know, this man made his choice and it turned out to be safe for him and his family. In verse 26, and the man went to, 
the land of the Hittites, built a city and called its name Luz, which is its name to this day. However, notice what's happening here. However, Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shean and its villages, or Tanakh and its villages, or the inhabitants of Dor and its villages, or the inhabitants of Iblam with its villages, or the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages. For the Canaanites were determined to dwell in that land. Do you see what's happening here? Notice, it came to pass, and it came to pass in verse 28, when Israel was strong, that they put the Canaanites under tribute. Now, this is labor. It's like, you know, like slave labor. Now, I'm not trying to say that slave labor is a good thing, but if you remember our study in Leviticus and Numbers, you know, this type of labor in Israel isn't such a bad thing. Isn't such a bad thing at all. Because even while put to labor, the law has a pathway that leads to faith. I mean, being under tribute and a slave in Canaan, if for the Canaanites, that's not good because I mean we're talking like torture, you know, labor. We're talking like you know, I don't want to get graphic, but you know, we're like you know, sexual stuff, and you know, it's just not good to be a, 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 a slave in all these different peoples. But to be a slave, to be under tribute in the camp of Israel, it's not such a bad thing because there's a doorway that leads to freedom. But even in that doorway, there's, there's also the pathway that leads to faith. And these are things, if you've been walking with us for a while, you understand this. Go back and listen. If you're listening, a new listener, go back and listen to those studies. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. It's very important to have this understanding because with the understanding, we also understand the nature and character of our Lord. Notice, it came to pass in verse 28 when Israel was strong that they put the Canaanites under tribute but did not completely drive them out. So we're seeing some tribes deal with their lands differently. Some are hardcore, some are not. Judah, hardcore. Manasseh, not. But it comes at a heavy cost to the entire camp. Now, what about us? You say, well, that's just Israel. No, 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 no. Observe Israel according to the flesh. Look at what the Lord is showing us. When dealing with not the Canaanites, not the Hittites, not the Hivites, not the Jebusites. When dealing within ourselves, and I speak of carnality and sin. When it comes to the area of carnality and sin some are more hardcore than others some are not now the end result shows the wisdom with one and the foolishness of the other oh god is love god is love come on let's go do our crack oh god is love god is love let's go do our sex let's go do the go to the strippers let's go to the the, the ouija boards let's go to the casino oh look god is love god is love god is love when, but when a person is hardcore says no i'm not dealing i'm not messing with the sex i'm not messing with the drugs i'm not messing with the alcohol no is hardcore like judah 
Hardcore. You're not dealing with the Jebusites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites. You're not dealing with that. But you are dealing with the strongholds of sex and drugs and alcohol, the Buddha, the Ouija board, all kinds of different things. But when a person is hardcore with that, like, no, I'm not messing with the sex. I'm not messing with the Buddha. I'm not messing with the Ouija boards. I'm not. No. As for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. In the course of time, something is revealed. Wisdom. Wisdom. A person is not hardcore with those things. And in the course of time, something else is revealed. Foolishness. The way of the fool. You see? Look at what the Lord is showing us. We're just in, in Judges chapter 1. But look at what the Lord is showing us so far. Look at verse 28. Nor did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites. Look at what's happening here. Judah, hardcore. Ephraim, not so hardcore. Manasseh, not so hardcore. And it comes at a heavy price for them, but then also for the entirety of Israel. Because remember, we're in the book of Judges. But very quickly, very quickly, they'll be worshiping other gods. And it breaks my heart to say that. It breaks my heart to, to read it. It breaks my heart to, to teach it. But very quickly, the Baals, the Asterisks, the Molochs, they're going to be worshiped. Now, it's one thing if it's the Canaanites doing it, if it's the Jebusites, the Hittites. That's one thing if they're doing it. I'm not saying it's approving if they're doing it. I don't want them to do it, but it's one thing. But for Israel? For Israel? A people rescued from Egypt, rescued from bondage? Where the Lord says, you're different. Remember, the Lord says through Moses, you guys are different. Remember the warnings that Moses gave? The warnings that Joshua gave? And we start to see what steps are taken with Manasseh and Ephraim. They're not hardcore with the Canaanites. Now you're a believer. You say, wait a second, I'm a Christian. I'm a new covenant believer. We live in modern times, modern society. And I don't have the, there's no Canaanites around me. There's no Jebusites around me. There's no, you know, Moabites and Hittites and Hivites around me. There's, I don't have to fight that. I don't have to, like, that's the Old Testament. I don't have to fight. I don't have to pick up a sword and fight these people. But when you fight according to the Spirit, what about the good fight of faith? And fighting those carnal natures, the carnal passions. Learning to die to the flesh. You see? I meant, have you ever met a non-believer? A non-believer. They do not believe in Jesus Christ. And, you know, they, they have their things of the flesh and they have their behaviors of the flesh, but they're not believers. But then all of a sudden you look inside the church and it's like, wow, this guy is more carnal than this non-believer. This lady who's in the church is more carnal than this non-believer. 
that happened in Corinth. When Paul says, there's such sin inside of you, church, your rejoicing isn't a good thing. But he says, there's such sin inside of you, church, Christians, that the non-believers, they don't even do the things that you do. And you see, I mean, we're living in a time where, like, we don't have to wonder because we see it. You talk to a non-believer, it's like, well, you know, they're in the flesh and they're walking according to the flesh, but it's completely understandable because they're non-believers. Remember when Paul is speaking, he says, listen, when I told you not to hang out with the sex or the, the, the sex people, the drugs and the alcohol people, he says, I didn't mean to, you know, like, you know, like, like, like it was a blanket statement for everybody. He says, anybody named a brother. He says, if that were the case, anybody in the world, you'd have to get on a rocket ship and go, you know, have a colony on the moon. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the gist. He says, no, anybody named a brother. Separate from such a person. And then you see, remember our study? If you've been walking with us for a while, you remember our study in 1 Corinthians? How they have their defunct pastors, defunct teachers, and it comes at a very, very, very heavy cost for the church. Because look at the separation. The remnant separating from the leaven. Look at the heavy cost. Look at the witness, the poor witness. Look at the shame that was brought upon the name of Jesus Christ. And then you see the separation, the remnant away from the leaven. Now, remnant, let's get you cleaned up. You see? Then you go back and you look at the leaven, the sex, the drugs, the alcohol, the extortion, the flesh. You look at just a quick analyzing. Why did that happen? Why did we have to get to this point? Why was it that for three years, the pastors didn't tell them, hey, this isn't good, repent? Why is it that for three years, the elders didn't tell the saints, hey, this isn't good, repent, get right with the Lord. We got to get you cleaned up. Why is it? Number one, the pastors, the elders, the overseers, they weren't hardcore. They weren't like Judah here in Judges 1. They weren't hardcore. They weren't like Simeon here in Judges 1. They were not hardcore. You see? And I don't mean hardcore like according to the flesh. I mean hardcore like, listen, we're not going to play games with the sex and the Buddha and the Ouija boards and the yoga. And we're not going to play games with that. Why? Because we want to be a sweet aroma unto the Lord. God's house must be clean. God's people must be clean. Formula. The formula's got to be right. And when the formula is right, all of a sudden you have koinonia, ecclesia, love feast. And where you have that, which is very special, very rare, where you have that, you also have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Not the mockery that you see in some churches. Where there's 500 people in the church and 500 people are speaking in tongues. What they say is tongues. Even the babies, they're speaking tongues. No, it doesn't work that way. Order in the fellowship. 
You have a pastor who says, oh, I have the power of the Spirit, and they wave their, they, they, they take off their jacket and wave their jacket, and the first five rows, everybody falls down. Well, that's a mockery of the Spirit. Order in the fellowships. When the formula is right across the board, understand you're going to have milk drinkers and meat eaters, but the formula is right. That's love feast. That's very special gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit. And because churches don't have that today, because churches do not have that today, you have pastors who come up with their idea of why that is. They come up with their conclusion of why that is. You know what they say? Oh, that was for another dispensation. That was for 2,000 years ago. It is not for today. That was for 2,000 years ago, give or take a couple years, in the book of Acts, but it's not for today. That was in accordance to, the, to a dispensation, a dispensation that is no more. Those are the fools who say that. Those are the fools who say that. The reason why we don't see that in the churches today, it's not because of the Lord. It's because of the saint. That's why. Did God change his mind? No. He never changes. Oh, that was another dispensation. But God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He never changes. And yet you say that that was for another dispensation. He changed his ways in another dispensation. It's unbiblical. You see? God doesn't change. The people change their heart. And these are things that the remnant has to understand and know in the last days because it's going to get darker and darker and darker and darker and darker and darker and darker. But where is the light? Where is the light with God's people? You see? I mean... If Corinth had the hardcore pastors of Philippi, we wouldn't have the issues that we see in 1 Corinthians. We wouldn't have those works of the flesh that we see in Corinth. For three years, arrested development. For three years, the pastor never said, Hey, stop doing the sex. Hey, stop doing the crack. Hey, stop doing the alcohol. Hey, stop doing the extortion. For three years, the overseers, the pastors, the so-called shepherds never corrected anybody. That's why, you know, if you remember our studies in those books, is I have a love-hate relationship with the Corinthians. I love them, but I hate this works of the flesh. But at the same time, I'm also thankful that we have that example. Thankful that we have that example. Yeah, that's another aspect of the good, the bad, and the ugly in the Word of God. Because the Lord teaches us and shows us. He equips us. But the question is, who is going to be hardcore? Male, female, young, old, I don't care. Who among us is going to be hardcore? As for me, I will serve the Lord. Who will say that in his heart? Who will say that in her heart? I don't care if you're five years old. I don't care if you're 50 years old. I don't care if you're 120 years old. Who is going to say in their hearts, as for me, I will serve the Lord? Hardcore. Oh, we're not saved by works. We're not saved by works. I know. It's what the Bible says. We're not saved by works. We come to Jesus at 0%. Our righteousness is filthy rags. But once we come to Jesus, 
We don't come to him by works. We come to him at 0%. But we don't stay at 0%. The remnant doesn't stay 0%. We move on to perfection. We move on to perfection. Remember, abiding in Jesus Christ, the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the unrighteous. And once a person abides in Jesus Christ and grows and matures, comes to Jesus Christ at 0%, and our righteousness is His work. His righteousness. We're not saved by works. We come to Jesus Christ with no righteousness. But we're saved for works, what the Bible says. We're not saved by works, but we're saved for works. Who is it that is going to obey the Lord Jesus Christ? Who is it who will choose in his heart, who will choose in her heart? As for me, I will serve the Lord. Who is it that will say that in their heart of hearts? As for me, I will serve the Lord. I don't care. You might be five years old. I don't care. I mean, I care, but I mean, like, sometimes, you know, I have these conversations with the young people and they're like, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm just little. I'm just little. There's this guy who's 30, 40, and I'm just little. I don't, look, 40 year olds, you know, with the biggest shock I had when I became an adult, I mean, you know, that transition into like, you know, teenagers to adult, the biggest shock, one of the biggest shocks was how many stupid people there were in the adult realm. Because I just figured, well, adults, you know, they have their, they have everything put together. They're, they're, they're put together, you know, they don't have these problems with the kids and all this stuff. And when you're a kid, you know, you have a fight over here and an argument over here and, you know, this and that over here. You get grounded and, you know, some of your friends get grounded and it's like, okay, you know, yeah, things will be better when I become an adult. And you become an adult. When I became an adult, I was like, wow, I thought adults had everything put together. But wow, there's a whole lot of stupid people here. And so if you're young and you're like, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, if you have in your mind that like, you know, like, wow, things are going to be, be better when I'm an adult because, you know, I'm not going to have any problems and everybody's going to be put together. No, that's not the case. And if you're young, don't think that God can't do anything. Look, look at Samuel. Look at when the Lord was silent. Throughout the land, the Lord was silent. And we know that he was silent for a reason. He was silent for a reason. But when he spoke, who is it that had ears to hear? You see, who is it that he called out to? Not the adult. The adult was, the, the, uh, not adults, singular, adults, plural. Eli and his sons. Levites. The Lord wasn't speaking to them. You see? But he spoke to Samuel. You know what came to the adults? Death. Judgment. Why? Because they were stupid. You see? And if you're young, don't think that, oh, you know, I'm just 10 years old. The Lord can't do anything with me. Rubbish. Rubbish. And I say this with all due respect to my younger brother, my younger sister, whom I love in the Lord. You might be 10 years old. And you honor the Lord. Formula's right in you. Put on your seatbelt. You might be five years old. 
You might be 13. You might be 14. Praise be to the Lord that you have eyes to see and ears to hear. In Samuel's day, the adults, the adults in the room, the adults of the religious establishment, I'm doing my air quotes, the religious establishment, no, they were blind, they were deaf, and they were under judgment. You see? But little Samuel, he had ears. And so notice what we see happening here. In verse 29, nor did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites who dwell in Gezer. Ephraim, Manasseh, they weren't hardcore. Judah, Simeon, hardcore. But Manasseh, Ephraim, not hardcore. So the Canaanites dwell in Gezer among them. Nor did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron. Notice what we see happening here. Look at Manasseh, Ephraim, Zebulun. They're not, they didn't try, they're not driving out the full inhabitants. Remember what is written in Hebrews 4. If Joshua gave them rest, here you have a people in the camp of Israel. They have the law of the Sabbath. They have the law of rest. They're in the promised land. But what happens is they will not have rest. Now you start to see the fleshiness of the law. The law has its loopholes to make way for something better, which is the fulfillment of the law, the fulfillment of promise. And that's Jesus Christ. So we see here in verse 30 that Zebulun did not drive out the inhabitants of Kitron or the inhabitants of <clears throat> Nahalol. <clears throat> so the Canaanites dwelt among them and were put under tribute. Nor did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Akom or the inhabitants of Sidon or of Ahlab, Aksib, Helbal, Afik, or Rehob. So the Asherites dwelt among the Canaanites. So the Asherites dwelt among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. You see, this non-hardcore approach, we'll say, it comes at a cost. And these are things that we're going to see in the book of Judges. Now, understand, Moses, this is, they're not without warning. Moses specifically told them this message from the Lord. Don't mess around with their stuff. Don't mess around with these people. Don't be intertwined with these people. Don't mess around with their stuff. Don't mess around with them. Don't mess around with their stuff. Joshua says the same thing. Don't mess around with this stuff. You see, Moses and Joshua here in Judges 1, Moses and Joshua, they're dead now. And leaders will emerge, but leadership matters. Leadership matters. You see, and you have people today who, you know, oh, yeah, look, it's nice to be accommodating. Look, God is love and God is love and God is love. But yes, God is love. When you understand the nature and character of the Lord, you understand there's so much more. And this comes at a heavy cost. For Israel, absolutely. But it comes at a heavy cost for the church. Absolutely. I mean, 
In the case of Laodicea, Laodicea, Jesus calls them a church. They believe in Jesus. Laodicea, they believe in Jesus. And there's a gathering of them together. And you think like, wow, this is a beautiful thing. But there's a problem. Jesus, the biblical Jesus, the real Jesus, he's on the outside of the church. Why is that? Why is it that Jesus is knocking on the door of the church of Laodicea, wanting, desiring to be on the inside? Why is it that he is on the outside? Because there's a very specific formula. Obedience unto Jesus Christ. I mean, we read that when you read uh, 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 Revelation 2 and 3 and you see these accounts of the seven churches. And you see that only two are safe. One is really safe. Then you look at the makeup of the other churches and the Lord indicates like, you know, this is good. This is good. But this I have against you. And what does he say? Repent. Repent, 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 repent. You see? And notice in verse 33, Nor did Naphtali drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh or the inhabitants of Beth Anath, Anath, but they dwelt among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. Nevertheless, the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath were put under tribute to them. And the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountains. What's this? What's this? In verse 34, the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountains. What's happening? Dan of Israel being forced into the mountains? Where before in the book of Joshua, how Joshua is telling the people a message from the Lord. Go forth, Israel. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. And here we are in Judges 1, and the Amorites are forcing Dan into the mountains. What's happened? I mean, Joshua is freshly dead. What's happening? Does victory stay victory? Biblically, the answer is no. Here in verse 34, the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountains, for they would not allow them to come down into the valley. What? The Amorites wouldn't allow them down into the valley? Dan of Israel and the Amorites not allow? You see, leadership matters. Leadership matters to teach, to inform, to encourage, to remind, to protect, to train, to train in the ways of righteous, righteousness, to train in the ways of fighting warfare, the way of the warrior, not according to the flesh. I mean, here in, in, in Judges 1, according to the flesh, but that's Old Testament. You know, this is precede. I mean, if you're, if you're listening for the first time and you're listening, what is he talking about, precede? Go back and listen to our studies in the book of Galatians. 
I mean, you remember everything's housed, everything's resource for the, the way underground.com. Everything's housed there. Go listen, they're archived for you. Hebrew roots, go check out the, the Hebrew roots section. Studies in Galatia, Hebrews. You'll understand the rules of engagement. Joshua isn't being heated here when Joshua died. But yet, remember his, in his final discourse and exhortation, choose this day whom you shall serve. And in that same vein, the blood of our Lord, I say the same to you. Choose this day whom you shall serve. You see, with Moses, Israel was fine. With Joshua, Israel was fine. I mean, you know, fine, but it was like, you know, who's aligning with Joshua? You know, who's aligning with Moses? I mean, like, you know, Korah was with, you know, like literally speaking, Korah was with Moses, but spiritually speaking, Korah was not with Moses, you see? But... There's alignment with Moses. Praise be to the Lord. Remember, it was the people who said, you know, like Moses. Why do you think it's only God who can speak to you? Moses, we want to hear from the Lord. And Moses was on board. Moses, you know, praise be to the Lord. He got special blueprints, told them to the people. The people did it. The Lord started to speak and they heard. And they were terrified. And they cried out to Moses, Moses. The exact opposite of what they wanted. Moses, do not let the Lord speak to us, Moses. Moses, tell him to stop speaking. You speak to the Lord. And Moses, you tell us what the Lord says. And Moses, we will do that. And that's what happened. You see? But don't forget when he started Hebrews in Hebrews 1, that the Lord speaks through his son, Jesus. The Lord speaks through his son. And don't forget, the word became flesh. You and me, in studying the word of God, we understand and we grow in the knowledge, which is a gift of the Spirit. The full counsel of the word of God, Old Testament, New Testament, Genesis to Revelation, understanding the covenants, understanding the rules of engagement, understanding how to fight, being equipped with the weapons of warfare. And that's exactly what we do. We fight the good fight of faith, hardcore. You see? Yes, it's true that we don't face Jebusites and Hittites and Hivites, but we do face something else within selves, and that's the flesh. The carnal ways, the carnal passions. But when you reckon the old man dead, you reckon the old woman dead. That's the dead guy. Just like Paul says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Don't forget, Paul, who killed Christians, who imprisoned Christians, who had them stoned and beaten. And Paul says of himself, it is no longer I who live. That guy, he's dead. But it is Christ who lives in me. 
I am crucified with Christ. You hear people say sometimes, I am crucified with Christ. I love that verse so much. I'm crucified with Christ. Come on, let's go do crack. Hey, I am crucified with Christ. Come on, let's go. Let's go to the strip club. Hey, I am crucified with Christ. Let's go get baked. Let's go do the alcohol. Let's go do our yoga. Let's go do our Ouija boards. Let's go do our Buddha. Let's go do our crystals, our chakras. It's like, wait a second. There's no crucifixion with Christ. That's the old nature. You can say that verse. You can say you're crucified with Christ, but does it apply? No, see, a person can say it all they want. Oh, I'm crucified with Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. But does it apply? Because if you don't see the death of the old nature, hardcore, spiritually speaking, metaphysically speaking, but if you don't see the death of the old nature, you know what? That person is not crucified with Christ. That means the old nature is still alive. That means the old man, the old woman is still alive. You know what it also means? They got a bad pastor. They got a bad teacher. You see, you know what that also means? They got to jump ship. They got to learn. They got to train. They got to be equipped. You see? And we have these Old Testament examples. And notice what we see here in closing, verse 35. And the Amorites were determined to dwell in Mount Heres, in Ajalon, and in Shalbim. Yet when the strength of the house of Joseph became greater, they were put under tribute. You see? And as tribes are making their choices, and we're seeing which tribes are honoring the Lord and who is not honoring the Lord. You know, who's hardcore and who is not hardcore. Understand, God is reactionary. God is reactionary. And knowing that God is reactionary, we see how he responds and he does exactly what he said he would do. Exactly. I mean, even when you look at like the Battle of Armageddon, the book of Revelation, and you see when how the Lord responds and what the Lord is doing. And you read passages of Torah, and it's not even a surprise because, wow, Lord, you, you, you said you would do this. You said that this would be what you would do in the case when wickedness is the chosen path. And Lord, all you're doing is exactly what you said you would. Remember our study in Hebrews? His works are done. His works are done. The, the passageway, the, the pathway. It's there. The way. It's there. The question is, who will walk in it? Who will walk in it? You see? And in the case of Israel here in Judges, now sometimes it has an impact on the entire camp, not just the tribe. I mean, you see like, you know, like, wow, Judah, Simeon, they're hardcore. And yeah, praise be to the Lord. They are hardcore. They're making choices like, wow, this is awesome. You know, praise be to the Lord. They're, they're, they're not messing around. But then you get into like Dan, you know, you, you see like Manasseh, you see Zebulun and their choices. It has an impact on Judah. It has an impact on Simeon. Look at the case of the church. 
I mean, if you're hardcore, you're a hardcore believer. And I don't say that in a in a prideful sense. It's not like, you know, we wear like, you know, t-shirts that say, oh, I'm a hardcore Christian. No. But you're like Chloe. You're like Timothy. You're like Epaphroditus. You're like Peter. You're like Paul. You're like Lydia, Priscilla. I almost said Priscilla. Prissa. Paul calls her Prissa. And you're hardcore. And you see the state of the church. The rise and the increase of apostasy. Is the mindset, well, you know what, we're hardcore and you know, that's not me. So that's just them. No. Because it's painful. It hurts. It affects you. It has an impact on you. You know what that's called? Long-suffering. It hurts. And the Lord, He is long-suffering. That's the heart of our Lord. Rejoice in that. Rejoice. That your heart has alignment with the heart of our Lord, who is also long-suffering. In that rejoice, sometimes I have these conversations with Christians. How can I rejoice in suffering? My heart is hurting. My heart is broken. I see the rise of apostasy and my heart is aching. How can I rejoice in this? Because because God is also long-suffering. God is also hurting. And your heart is like his. You see? And in that, the remnant can rejoice. It's powerful to see what the Lord is doing, to see what he has done and see what he is doing and rejoice in him and in him alone. Praise be to the Lord. And so we continue here in verse 36. Now the boundary of the Amorites was from the ascent of Akrabim, from Selah and upward and we're going to end our study here and you know what happens it's it's going to be heartbreaking in future chapters in continuing our study in the book of judges it will be heartbreaking but understand the lord does exactly what he said he would do obedience is a learned thing obedience is a choice and you're going to see people you're going to see tribes i meant like in joshua In Joshua, you see, you know, all Israel and you see Israel is honoring the Lord and under the right leadership under Joshua and the elders, but they die. And then you have a generation without this leadership. And then all of a sudden you're going to start to see the breakdown where tribes start to break down. You see some tribes like like Judah and Simeon, but then you see like uh, uh, Naphtali and Dan It's like you start to see this breakdown, which impacts the whole. But this breakdown is going to further break down. Because in the course of time, we're going to see Hannah. In the course of time, we're going to see the breakdown, not just of Israel, not just of individual tribe, but you're going to see this breakdown of multiple multiple people, many people within the tribe where there's just Hannah. There's just Samuel. 
There's just David. There's just, you know, uh, the, the, the prophets. There's just, you know, you're going to see the smaller number of people. And where there's this stronger, smaller number of people, it's those people that the Lord uses. It's those people that the Lord uses. That yes, there's a breakdown of Israel. There's a breakdown of the, the tribes. But then you're going to see Ruth. You're going to see Hannah. You're going to see Samuel. And it's so powerful. You're going to see Amos. You're going to see people. That it's like, look at, as for me, I will serve the Lord. And you're going to see people who made these choices and it's going to blow you away. And this is our family. You see? Heirs of Abraham. This is our family. The family of faith. You see? Heirs of Abraham. To the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.